Good morning, everyone. Everyone has wanted something in their life and then worked hard to get it and then realized that it's not probably as of great value as I initially thought it was. A classic example, which perhaps most of us, if not all of us, have experienced is when we were young, we all wanted a new bicycle. And maybe we annoyed our parents over and over again for a new bicycle. And then guess what? Our parents gave in, maybe Christmas or a birthday or an event, and they gave us a new bicycle. We rode around the block one day, and maybe the week after, we just left it in the garage and not cared for it, broke it, or just left it as if we never wanted it and asked for it for years and years and years. Or perhaps we got the bicycle and then we got a little older and said, you know what, I'd like a new car. So we worked hard and hard and hard and got a car. Then after that I said, well, I want a new house and maybe a boat. And we acquire these things thinking and feeling that somehow they're going to lead us to great accomplishments or, great, or a great sense of satisfaction. So whatever the example may be, all of us have in one time or another in our life thought we wanted something or worked very hard to get it and then realized that that is of no value or is not getting us what we really want. There are a lot of nuances in the epistle and the gospel that we read today. One in particular that I want to focus on is the life of the centurion. We don't have centurions today, so we might not know who they are. Centurion was a professional officer in the Roman army. Of course, the word cent means a hundred and might refer to a hundred legions under him, but historically that number has ranged from 80 to 200 to up to a thousand. Why is that very important? First of all, a centurion is speaking to Jesus. Centurion was part of the powers of the Roman Empire. And the Jews were subject to the Romans. So for a centurion of that rank to come and even speak to Jesus with a sense of respect was a thing in itself. But what does the centurion ask? Why is he seeking to speak to Jesus? Is he trying to control the crowds that Jesus had around him? Is he trying to lecture Jesus to not have more crowds? Is he trying to teach something or control something uh, in Jesus' life? No. The centurion who worked his entire life to acquire fame, to acquire reputation, and probably with that a lot of wealth. He thought this was going to give me meaning in my life. He worked his entire life for that. But then what does he realize? That in addition to his wealth comes responsibilities. And so we read in today's gospel, the centurion came forward to him beseeching him saying, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home in terrible distress. This actually gives us a great insight into the depths of the centurion's spirituality and his humility. Maybe when he was young, he saw the power of the Roman Empire and said, I want to be part of that power. He saw the control that they had and he said, I want 
to have that control. Maybe he saw all the slaves and all the servants that centurions had, and he said, I want that. But when he got it, what did he realize? He realized he had a responsibility not towards himself only, but to those who were his servants. His perspective was completely changed from the power of the Roman Empire to the service of his position and of his post. Think of that in your life. Think of times in your life where you have worked for something, but then realize that that was not very important, and then you're able, hopefully, you're able to shift, to give a bit of a nuance, to, tear, to change that, that power or control or wealth or whatever it is, position you have, into a position of responsibility. We have a wonderful example of this in the lives of many saints. In particular, on the 29th, we celebrate the feast of Saints Peter and Paul. Look at the life of St. Paul. Sometimes we don't stop enough to remind ourselves of all the details and all the nuances that these great saints um, lived and had in their life. We unfortunately sometimes over-glorify the saints and think that that's how they were their entire life. We think of sainthood, unfortunately, too often as some sort of genetic superiority to the rest of us. You know, Mother Teresa, well, she was just somehow better than all of us. St. Paul, all the saints, they were somehow, they were given some extra dose of the Holy Spirit when they were born. That's not the case. The same Holy Spirit that was given to all the saints and all the sinners was give, is given to us. So we have that choice to make those good choices in our life and to stay focused on Christ and to use our positions and our um, authority in life for the sake of good. The reason why the example of St. Paul is so important for us to remind ourselves of, especially as we prepare for this Feast of St. Paul, is because St. Paul is another example of someone who worked very hard to do something, and then when he achieved it, he realized it was completely empty and ended up going in a different direction. Let's look at some of the passages just to remind ourselves the stages of St. Paul's life and the stages of his conversion. First, when people think of St. Paul, they often think of his conversion on the road of Damascus, which of course is very important. But there is a passage in chapter 7 of the Acts of the Apostles that we need to look at even before that conversion. And that was the persecution of the early church and not only the persecution but the death of the first martyr in christianity saint stephen saint paul oversaw and was responsible for the first christian martyr for killing the christian community in acts chapter 7 after saint stephen gave his defense of his belief in jesus the crowd cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together upon him and they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. Paul, Saul, Paul, he had two names. And Saul was consenting to his death and on that day a great persecution arose against the church. This sign 
of laying their garments at the feet of St. Paul was an indicator of his authority and power. In other words, the mob, the crowd, attacked and killed St. Stephen, but then to show their loyalty to St. Paul as showing him that they did what he commanded and that they did this in his honor, they came and they laid their cloak, their cloaks at his feet. This is very important because we begin to see in the Acts of the Apostles not only a general persecution, but we begin to see the main attackers of the faith, the main, the main person who dedicated his entire life to wiping out Christianity. Of course, his conversion happens a few chapters, uh, two chapters after that in uh, Acts chapter 9. He fell upon the ground and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? In other words, Jesus saw him persecuting the church and challenged him that in persecuting the followers of Jesus, you are persecuting me. He then gets um, converted and gets baptized by Ananias in Damascus. A few more very important verses in the Acts of the Apostles and the letters of St. Paul. In the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 26, towards the end, when he appears in front of King Agrippa, he acknowledges what he has done. I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth. In his letter to the Corinthians, chapter 15, he said, I am the least of the apostles, unfit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. In the letter of St. Paul, in his letter to the Galatians, he said, For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. St. Paul worked hard for a particular position, honor, fame, control. And what did he do? He opened himself to the work of the Holy Spirit, to the guidance of God, and he realized that the direction that he was going in was completely useless. And that's what he affirms in his letter to the Philippians. Whatever gain I had, I count as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as refuse in order that I may gain Christ. This is the transformation that we want to focus on today. The transformation of the centurion who reached power, honor, fame, and wealth, but didn't use that honor, power, fame, and wealth to his own glory, but used it to approach Jesus for the healing of his servant. St. Paul ended up also opening up his life and, 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 um, and authority to Christ. So that leaves us. Think of the time when you wanted that bicycle and the intensity of wanting that bicycle and how your whole world was that bicycle. But now, very few of us here have that same passion for a bicycle. But even more dangerously, think of the things that we are doing in our life to acquire whatever it is 
that we hope to acquire by doing whatever it is that we are doing. Maybe we are working 14, 18 hours a day to have a bigger house or a second or third car. And then we realize, well, are we working hard for something and then sacrificing something else like family life? Many politicians, many businessmen and women have worked their entire life to only realize that they have gathered so much in vain. Jim Carrey, a famous actor, said, I wish everyone would reach the amount of fame and have the amount of money that I have for only one simple purpose, for them to realize how useless it is. How useless it is. The letter of St. Paul today that we read from, the, from, the letter, from his letter to the Romans reminds us of this two ways. That we were once slaves of sin, but now we have been set free from sin and live in righteousness. This is our challenge today. To think of, this is kind of an exercise that you can do with either alone or with your family. Think of the things that you value and think of the things that you are spending a lot of your time on. Are they actually of lasting value? Of course, it's important to study hard, to work hard. I'm not saying to not do all that stuff. But think of the perspective. What are you spending your time on? And what are you hoping to attain by spending your time on those things? And then go back and ask the question in a slightly different way. How much time? How much effort? How much passion are you spending on growing in your spiritual life? On your daily life of prayer, a two-hour movie might not sound very long, but sometimes a 15-minute prayer just doesn't seem to end. Rethink our priorities and think of what we are doing and the consequences of where they are leading us to. The centurion cared for his servant. St. Paul was radically transformed from the worst kind of sinners to the greatest saint. And actually, none of us here have done crimes that St. Paul committed. So guess what? There is hope for us to be saints in the kingdom of heaven, first here on earth, because we live the kingdom of heaven here, we make the kingdom of heaven become present in what we do, but then also in preparation for the world to come. Glory, fame, wealth, power may seem very appealing to some, but when most get it, they realize how empty it is unless it is directed towards the service of others. Hopefully today, as we reflect on this epistle and gospel and have the example of the centurion and St. Paul before us, we're able to look at our own life, review our priorities, and make sure that our priorities are set firmly on growing as men and women of Christ, men and women who love and worship Christ in every single day of their life.